This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. You're listening to The Blitz 1170. Streaming live at theblitztulsa.com and on the Blitz 1170 app. All right, it's 2.35 here on the Blitz 1170. What's going on? Hope that you've had a good Friday so far. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard on the opposite side of the glass. And let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Harold Coons from up in Kansas City. You might remember him from his days here at News on 6. What's up, Harold? How are you, buddy? Oh, nothing much, Pop. How are you, man? What's Good. Doing well, my friend. Um, man... We were talking about this earlier, and it's weird to think like the most tenured guy that's left in the playoffs is already Mahomes at the age of 27. But the Chiefs and the AFC's kind of been in this pattern where they they got the quarterback evolution started faster than what I felt like the NFC. But we're we're on the verge, right? I talked about the the times I would watch the the quarterback shows where they were putting the blue chalk on the end of the football and trying to hit targets and we were watching these guys and then this next set of young guns that were coming in we're here right now in that next evolution of guys and Mahomes has kind of been at the forefront of that with Kansas City absolutely he has I mean he's coming off what's probably the second MVP season I'm sure he's looking for more MVPs in terms of a Super Bowl but yeah I mean you look at the evolution of the young guys I mean we already do Joe Burrow was there making his Super Bowl appearance last year. Josh Allen, who's looking for his first, but he's up there with most touchdowns thrown by any quarterback in the last couple of playoff uh, seasons in NFL history. And Patrick Mahomes has set multiple records, and Trevor Lawrence looks like he's he's on his way to trying to join them. So it's it's just been a – and we're not even talking about Justin Herbert, who's who's out, a couple other guys, too, that are still in the mix, too, that are young. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing that evolution now where there's the Aaron Rodgers, the Ben Roethlisberger, the Tom Brady's. They're, they're kind of out of the, the forefront of the um, conversation now for quarterbacks. And now the oldest one is Dax Prescott, who's had his own playoff struggles, but Patrick Mahomes is kind of the, the old guy at the yard, especially in the AFC, and, but he's using that to his advantage. You know, he's using his experience to his advantage that he thinks that, you know, he's been there, done that, and now he's kind of the old guy. But, you know, he, he said earlier, you know, he's he's welcome to use that advantage, <laughs> but he's still got to go out there and perform. You know, it's crazy to think that uh, all of all the talks heading into the 2022 regular season would be, how is Kansas City going to get along without Tyreek Hill? What, what does this do to their offense? The ever-changing landscape of how to defend some of these offenses as well with more of the drop eight mentality, and all they did was go out and have another record-breaking year on offense without Tyreek Hill. It's it's pretty incredible how the dynamic and just the conversations changed quickly once we got into the season without Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and Andy Reid uh, spoke about this actually during their bye week, and he said, hey, his ability to deal with change was probably the biggest thing coming into there because if you remember Mike Kafka, who's coaching this week as the offensive coordinator of Giants, he was a QB coach, he's gone. Matt Nagy comes in after he's uh, released for the Bears as head coach. He comes here, so there's a little bit of consistency there. The enemy has been on head coaching lists, I think, for half of the teams in the NFL. He's doing interviews, I think, already with the Colts and the Titans so far. So, yeah, I mean, they've had that consistency, and he's been able to deal with change. He's able to deal with the receiving coordinator 
completely different. You think about McCole Harbin, who's been out for almost half the season. He's not playing this week, and he's the only guy left over on that receiving court. When you think of Juju Smith-Schuster, you think of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you think of Kadarius Toney, who they brought in in the middle of the season. Um, the only consistent is really Travis Kelsey. So, but the, the receiving core is completely changed, but he still had a 2018 total. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were able to kind of revert to 2018 because of that unfamiliarity for him, but it was also unfamiliar for other defenses too. So he was able to revert back to being patient, being revert back to, you know, finding um, the open man instead of just having a dependence on Tyreek or Travis. And it's really helped him out throughout the course of the season. You look at 5,250 yards and over 40 touchdowns, that, that's really helped him out. So where is this team at right now overall, in your opinion, Harold? Uh, you know, from a distance, you know, you watch them and there were, for, for as great as they were offensively, and we've had you on before and we've talked about their defense, um, but there seems to be, a, there. there's some times which you watch them and it feels like games are a little bit too close for comfort, at least to some, uh, with the, the way they finished. How, how are they and, and just what's their general mindset right now in the playoffs as they get set for Jacksonville? They're very loose. Uh, you go into the locker room, these guys are, you know, focused but loose. Uh, the defense, uh, the, the younger secondary, I think that's the only real concern there because they have no idea what they're getting into at playoff speed. But the best thing about what they're facing this Saturday is that they're facing a team that also is very unexperienced in the same um, part of the schedule. And they've played them before. So they've seen the speed. They, they know what they expect. Um, especially from Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, they, they've seen them, so they, they have a little bit of a you know feel for it, and that's helpful for them. So that's the young secondary. Plus, I mean, you think of the fact that Jacksonville's biggest threat is, is that the fifth line. You look at Josh Allen, you look at Trevor Walker; those two guys are studs, and Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley have a tall task ahead of them. So that's their biggest concerns. But offensively, I, I, they've never really had a problem moving the football when they don't turn the ball over. That's been their biggest kind of turnover margin. It's still one of the lowest in the league. That's got to clean up for playoffs. But they know that if they do the right things, like don't turn the ball over, maybe special teams has has a good game. They finally had a good game against uh, Las Vegas in their last game of the season. They're clean with their operation. They know if they do the right things, they should win. They know that. Now it's just a matter of making sure that they don't make the mistakes that they made. Like, you know, obviously you're going to point to that Houston game where it was close and went to overtime against a team that is was fighting for a number one draft pick. Things like that happen. Um, but they feel confident in where they are. And, you know, the, the last couple performances uh, give them the confidence that they should move forward and at least advance past the team that they've already beat before. Because if you look back at the Jacksonville game, I mean, they had a turnover margin of three to, three to nothing. And – they still won by 10, and they were up 20 to nothing at one point. So it's just little things that they have to make sure that they clean up the operation for and just make sure that they, you know, expect the unexpected from Jacksonville because Doug Peterson, as we've all seen before, will, will give you the unexpected in a playoff situation. Um, he's one with a backup. He's won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So you cannot overlook Jacksonville. But he also knows that the guy on the opposing sideline from Doug Peterson is, his, is the guy he was the understudy for. So – there's a lot of back and forth. It's a chess match. It's going to be chess, not checkers, to quote training day. But it's going to be an interesting matchup uh, unfolding on Saturday in terms of the chess match between both coaches who know each other very well. But the Chiefs, they operate at the level they should be able to operate at. They do have the advantage. That's why they're very loose. They're, they're, they're quiet confident, if you will. 
There are two guys that I want to talk about in particular that it feels like there's been a little bit of a shift in the way, and what I mean by that is in the faith that the team has in them and the organization. And I'll start first with Kadarius Toney. Um, wow. You know, with with what we're seeing from him now, kind of the way that the, the season ended for him, um, he has he has shown, right, the ability when they put faith in him of being maybe right there of one of their more important skill position players that they have on the field. Well, he's – you think of the Anthony Thomases and, you know, you think a little bit of Tyree Kill back in the day. I mean, that's a player that Andy Reid always likes to assist on one of those – guys that doesn't look too intimidating but it's very shifty very quick can be put in those end around situations can get open can gain separation he's got 591 yards uh receiving so far um he's finally got in the end zone when he's with the chiefs i mean he's been kind of the playmaker that they've needed when healthy of course because he's been off for a couple times but he has played the last few weeks he's more and more in, ingrained in the offensive system and he's been very helpful i mean when he ever touches the ball, I mean, let's take the Broncos game, for example. Four receptions, 71 yards. And, I mean, he has a 38-yard gainer. He had a big game against Jacksonville. Scored a touchdown in that game. That was his first NFL touchdown, I believe, against Jacksonville. So he's been very helpful uh, for the team. He's been that kind of X-factor, if you will. And he's relieved defense uh, and relieved uh, other teams' defenses. A little stress from other teams' defenses of trying to focus in on Travis Kelsey, who, by the way, hasn't had a touchdown in six games. But with the opening of Kadarius and Juju Marquez and, and Justin Watson and some of those guys, I mean, somebody's going to be open, which goes back to my earlier statement of how they've always seemed to find an answer somewhere where it opens up the offense and it's not just dependent upon it's Tyreek or Travis. He's just another weapon out there that's helped them kind of form at the level they want to perform at. Before I get to the other individual, you got to remember, too, that this is the first time in a while that the Chiefs are going to have a lot of their skill position players available. You know, Hardman hasn't been, what, for, what, eight, nine games? Uh, yeah, not once during the regular season that. have you had Tony, Hardman, Kelsey, Smith-Schuster in a lineup together at all. So I think that that's, that's, that's pretty big for them. How optimistic are they about uh, Hardman this Saturday? Man, I, I got to not, not optimistic. He's not playing this Saturday, and I, I don't know about the rest of the playoffs. Okay. Kind of, uh, they're calling it a pelvic injury, but then sometimes it's been abdomen injury. There's something going on there, and they just don't trust it. You know, it's just not ready for contact yet. So I don't think – you might you might not see McColl. I mean, if you do, like, if they get to that point, maybe the Super Bowl. But okay. um, yeah, for right now, it, it, he's not playing this week, and it sure doesn't sound like he's, he's playing next week either. Could to, be wrong, though. to the other player that I think has been pretty important to them, and that is L.J. Sneed. In uh, watching him in year three uh, kind of free things up a little bit for them, how important has his development been for them? Well, L.J. Sneed, I mean, he's been key. I mean, you look at the last couple games they played, he was going one-on-one in Shaq with D.K. Metcalf, and then, you know, he went one-on-one with Judy. And depending upon the between him and the rookie Trent McDuffie, but depending upon a matchup in terms of size, um, that's where they put him at. He's kind of been trailing that number one guy into the team, and it's worked for them. I mean, you look at the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, he pretty. I mean, with the exception of you know a couple mid mid range passes, uh, he kept DK Metcalf under control for the most part, and they held the Seahawks to ten points, and the touchdown came with about a minute left in that game. So they pretty held much, pretty much held him to three, and then they do the same thing with Devontae. Uh, against the Raiders, and you know, 
make what you will about the Raiders' mentality coming into that game and playing with Jared Stidham, but he held Devontae to a pretty low number, too. So I think that's kind of where they've seen him evolve into being that number one guy and the cornerback that just kind of follows their main guy, depending upon the matchup. Sometimes they put Trent on their number one guy, depending upon the size, but he's kind of that guy that uses – he's learning to use his length. And that's the biggest thing that, that, that they've seen out of him. Now, I mean, is there room for improvement? Absolutely still, yes. But for right now, he's relished the fact that he's taking that opportunity against those number one guys. And, 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 and so far, it's worked out in the latter part of the season. What has been the overall talking points about what Kansas City sees uh, in Jacksonville? Um, we all know about their comebacks that they've had this year. This is, gets ratcheted up. This is a completely different level. And sorry, Chiefs ain't the Chargers, buddy, uh, at all. So you can't have those same, same type of mistakes. But what has impressed the Chiefs about Jacksonville so far? They see an improved team that doesn't quit. I mean, they, they watched the game last week. I mean, Andy Reid even said this. Like, they, I didn't need to tell them because they all watched. They know what happened. So, but they see an improved team. And I mean, let's let's think about this. They've been six and one since they lost the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So they're they're playing much better, um, and they're much more confident now. Uh, you can make what you will about Trevor Lawrence's play. I mean, he did have four interceptions in the first half, but he had four touchdowns in the second half. Um, the Titans game when they when it was a win and end situation, they they had a battle there, and you know it wasn't really done until you know two three minutes left in that game. So there's still some improvement there. He you can tell Trevor Lawrence is improving. He's starting to get it more and more. All the Urban Meyer stuff has finally been flushed a little bit. <laughs> um, so now it's 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 more him, his his team. He's gaining more leadership. He's getting more Waffle House Mills, but. At, at the same time, you know that this is still a situation he's never been in before. So we do not know how Trevor Lawrence performs in these type of situations. So road playoff game, an atmosphere that's going to be much different than the noon kickoff November game uh, that nobody was energized for when at the time Jacksonville was you know, three and seven or whatever. Um, this is going to be a completely different situation for him. How he performs in this one, well, it depends upon how the Chiefs defense, you know, try to attack it. The Steve Spagnuolo, you know, go out there and try to throw some more corner blitzes and safety blitzes at them and try to get them under, under pressure and duress early. Um, we'll see how that game plan goes, but they do see an improved team for sure. I mean, it, it's obvious when you watch when you rewatch some of their games, you know, they're improved, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, real quick before I let you go, how was the atmosphere in Manhattan the other night for the uh, sun, yeah. Sunflower game? You know, you know, and, and you've been an octagon to do them. It. It's, it's, uh, you know, they were at fever pitch for that one. I think that's the most intense I've seen it because that was actually the first um, Sunflower Showdown game I've been to uh, in Bramwich. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's when the team's good, and you know, Kansas State. You know, every four or five years, they always have a team that's just really good. You know, because we think back to three, four years ago when they won the Big Twelve Championship, mm-hmm. and it was a packed house. When it, it's a packed house, it's a good atmosphere, and of course, you know, it's heightened because. It was the first top 15 game between the two since 2013, so 10 years. Um, we're talking back in Michael Beasley and everything. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they finally had a team that's capable of beating them, and they held on for dear life. But I will say this, there's way too many foul calls in that game. There was 49 total fouls, one. And then, two, I watched the Missouri game the next night, and they had about 45 calls and four people from Arkansas fouls out. So they've got a, they've got a, this college basketball refereeing. Way too much, way too much effort. So yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. So I like yeah. Jerome Tang a lot, though, man. 
Oh, my good brother, my good brother in Christ. He okay. is he he is awesome. I I love everything about him so far. I I said the other day I didn't want to go overboard because I saw some people talking about it. you know it's really courageous for what he said. I'm like, all right, let's settle down on that. Let's not go overboard. But I did like what he said when he when he was talking about how sometimes as a fan base a rival can live in your headspace and rent free. And he felt like that KU was doing a lot of that uh, living inside rent free of K-State K fans' heads. And, and he's right. And I think that's a message that almost every fan base in the country can listen to. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely brought a new energy to that place. I mean, God bless Bruce Weber. You know, he did bring them a Big 12 championship, but things have dropped off since then. But he's brought the energy. But who else really brought energy to the fact that Marquise Noel is such an improved basketball player and the addition to um, – uh, in the addition of the other players around him, too, I mean, Deontay Johnson has, has been uh, up for player of the year in the Big 12, the way he's played so far. So, I mean, those two guys have been a great one, too. Um, and Jerome's just brought life into that program. And, you know, we see that when Kansas State has, has a program op operating at a high level, it's a tough place to play because the, the crowd's into it and the players are into it, too. So, yeah, Kansas State, I mean, God bless them. I mean, they, they defeat Texas Tech this week. They're, they're looking at maybe a top 10 appearance. So, it, things are going well. I mean, things are going well for them. Don't forget Kansas, too. I mean, Kansas yeah. is still playing well, too. Jalen Wilson had 38 in that one. So, I mean, he's going to go down to the wire. They face off on the 31st so in Lawrence. So, that'll be interesting. They'll have some intrigue to it, too. But um, Jerome Tanks at best is like, look, I promised they would run the court. And now we've done it. Now we're not going to do it anymore. So you know, he's, he's got to be, He's definitely got to, got to instilled an expect the win mentality over there in Manhattan. It was uh, definitely a feel of the uh, Jacob Pullen slash Dennis Clemente, Rodney Magruder years yeah. there at oh, Kansas God. State as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> tough guys. Those are tough guys. Tough, man. tough indeed. Harold, good yeah. stuff, man. I appreciate you for uh, for jumping on today. Uh, best of luck, man. Have fun covering the game coming up this weekend. It will definitely uh, be in touch soon. All right, Pop. Take care, guys. Thank, thanks, buddy. That is uh, Harold Koontz joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from up in Kansas City with Fox 4? I think that is. It is Fox at. 4. Ah, Kansas see? City. Look at the Good big lord. Look at the big brain on me. Jacob Pullen at Kansas State would whoop your you know what. And not even think twice about it. Those were incredibly fun and good teams. Luis Colon was another guy that you just didn't want to mess around with at all. Good times, good times. All right, it's 2.54 here on the Blitz. Don't forget that we've teamed up with our good friends from Triad Eye Institute, where you can show some love to our local veterans. Create your homemade Valentines. Drop them off by February 6th at Triad Eye Institute locations in Tulsa, Muskogee, Bartlesville, Grove, Claremore, Pryor, McAllister, or right here downtown at the Blitz 1170 Studios across the street from Guthrie Green. Additional information is available at theblitztulsa.com. But show some love to our local veterans as we have teamed up with Triad Eye Institute for Valentine's Day. Colby Daniels will join us next. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.